We started a new series last week um, uh, called In God's Household. It's a part of a bigger series that we're going to be doing um, over the course of the next year or two, looking at the book of Ephesians and how uh, Paul teaches us about the new society that God uh, has created and is creating in Christ Jesus and how his new society forms our churches, our uh, our character, and forms our households. And so we're going to be continuing that series today with Matt bringing us the next installment. You guys know Matt. He needs no introduction. Would y'all give him a warm welcome? This is one of the best views I've seen all year, (laughs) is this right here. I love this view. Um, And you know, normally uh, when I would introduce myself, uh, it would come with the title description of leadership resident. Uh, And I praise God about the fact that I am no longer that for a really good reason. Um, I come to you uh, no longer as Matt Hall, the leadership resident training for ministry here at Redeemer City Church. I come to you as Matt Hall, Arkansas Baptist State Convention employee and BCM director at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff and Southeast Arkansas College. So Redeemer City, thank you. Thank you for training and preparing me for that day. Thank you. I thank God for you, and I thank God for his word. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We will start in verse 3, and we'll end in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, and ending in verse 11. The family of God is a big one. And I'm really thankful that God has ordained Christian households to be places of both gospel belief and gospel proclamation. And thinking about the gospel and thinking about this larger picture of talking about being God's household, households come with relationships. Households come with unfavorable relationships. Can we all be honest about that? That sometimes households come with unfavorable relationships. In fact, I I want you to think this morning about your most unfavorable relationship and whether you're still in that relationship with that person who is unfavorable or not. You resolved in your mind to see that relationship, both its continuation or its conclusion beforehand. Now, in our human framework, we either choose to continue or end a relationship based upon principles of personal satisfaction. That's how we work as people, right? If we determine that a relationship is unfavorable, it's because we acknowledged that beforehand, saw some things in the relationship that were going to be that way, and either we chose to stick it out or we chose to end it. Now, if that's the case with us, my question for you this morning, brothers and sisters, is, is that the case with God? If God is ever in an unfavorable relationship, would he choose the way that we would? Today, my answer to you is no. You see, God is awesome. We have an amazing salvation through Jesus, no matter where we've been, what we've done, or who we are. God is continually concerning himself 
with our lives. That was borderline heresy. We're not going to say that. Himself uh, with our lives. And he does not get taken aback, by the way, when you and I constantly are unfavorable. In fact, he keeps pursuing us, showing us why anything that would fight for our attention and our affections are nothing compared to him. Here's what the word of God says in Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That's God's word to God's people. So I'm just going to jump right in to what we have to say, because not only is this straightforward, but what we need to do is act on this information swiftly if we are not acting on it consistently now. Today is a good day to start acting on this gracious news. God's salvation is adoption through his son, Jesus. So listen, Paul is actually, as a, as a former Pharisee, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, as he spoke about himself in the book of Acts, Paul is getting at a concept as a Jewish person that we as, unfortunately, 21st century Western minds actually don't have a completely clear concept of. You see, Americans are not good with unfavorable relationships. We don't know the endurance that they come with or that they should come with. And we don't naturally have the grace and the concern for the lives of others when they are unfavorable that we need to have. If you want to know how I know that, I know that because the last time I checked, the amount of kids that get unadopted in American in the American culture is staggering. Do you guys know how many kids get unadopted in America after they are adopted simply because the relationship was just too unfavorable? 38%. It's a really good thing God doesn't act like us. It's a really good thing. You see, Hebrew adoption is permanent. In the biblical narrative, when a child is adopted, that child has such staying place in that household that where the firstborn son could lose an inheritance in his family, an adopted son could not. That is how serious the law of adoption is 
in the Bible. And so, brothers and sisters and friends, if you're here this morning and you've not understood that God's salvation is adoption through Jesus, right? Here's how Paul is laying out his thesis. One, grace comes from God. And that God is to be blessed for being a blessing, for being for blessing the church with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He has given us the benefits of the crucified Lord. When he took our place on the cross, your sin was not the only thing paid for. The benefits of his life were given to you. That is what it means to be a Christian passively. Okay, what we have received from Jesus, what we did not bring to the table, we did not bring any gift to the table that God could be entertained with, and we did not bring forth reason by which God could say, you know, based on me considering these things about you, you can belong to me. Guys, everything given to us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus is simply a work of God's predestining wisdom. Guys, that means he took everything about you into account beforehand. Before he took all the merit from Christ's account and credited it to you. He saw everything. He saw the insecurity you still wrestle with today. He saw the addictions that you try to hide secretly. He saw the worry when you thought there wasn't going to be enough to make it through. He saw all of the sinfulness that might have brought you public ridicule. He saw the weakness when you didn't achieve your goals. God saw, and in his wisdom, he saved. That means this, that as people who've received this grace, we repent from living life on our own terms. And we start believing in Jesus and believing on Jesus who lived perfectly on God's terms for you and me. This semester, uh, I I have just been running and gunning, y'all. All right, like BCM is no joke when you're the director. And uh, my BCM director was Joe Wood at UL. We all know him and love him here. Uh, And y'all, let me tell you, I did not realize just how hard Joe's job was until I had it. Uh, But I want to tell you guys a few things that kind of tie into the mercy of God of what we're talking about. So when I got to Pine Bluff, it was the last week of December. I was meeting with pastors and the Lord just made it very evident that there was just a deep spirit of depression and loss in my community. Uh, Our second week of meeting We had only 12 people show up to our first worship service and where I was just feeling kind of beaten down by the stories that people were telling me about Pine Bluff. I found myself and I found myself doing this a couple of times this semester. y'all. I just found myself speechless and y'all know that's kind of hard for me. I found myself speechless. Y'all, I really couldn't talk. I looked at the Lord and I said, God, I don't know what to say. And normally in my car, I would be driving and listening to worship music and singing something. I found myself not doing that. And I brought myself in this weakened state that I was in. And I said to the Lord, what a weak person could say. God, just do something, please. 
Some of you don't know how to pray that yet because you haven't come to the end of you. Can I tell you, I got a lot more days where I need to come to the end of me. Some of you guys have prayed that more than you'd like to admit because you've been at the end of you for a while. And I need you to know that God in his infinite wisdom saw that long before you would take the breath to say, I'm at the end. That day, two students became followers of Jesus. Why? Because this is the kind of grace our God has. This is the kind of God that he is. This is his character revealed through his action. And we're just talking about passive things right now. God gave two people that day a new life and household, but he also gave them a new inheritance. God's salvation is a permanent inheritance. And let me tell you what I had to explain to those students that day, because they came from church backgrounds where that wasn't true for them. They came from places that told them, you got to be good enough and you have to do enough to gain salvation through Jesus. And they resisted that narrative, which is why they never followed Jesus. You know, I'm I'm part, I'm thankful they resisted that narrative. Y'all, it's not true. God's salvation only requires us to be completely faithful to him. Like, y'all, listen, God doesn't even ask you to provide promises. Has God ever once asked anyone in scripture to make an oath to him? No. Guys, Jesus in the gospel of John would not let anyone do that. There was no point in running up to Jesus and talking about somebody because Jesus was like, I know what's in man. There is no oath. They're not good enough promises from humans for God to even entertain them. There is only yes and no, God says. And God made sure that he took everything into account when he gave us his yes in Jesus Christ. God made us to be unified in Christ. It's not just then even the benefits. Guys, your identity, when you become a Christian, is wrapped up in him. This is why this this narrative that we're trying to live out about being over every square inch of Acadiana in the gospel, every one of our households being saturated with the gospel. We're doing this because Jesus is our everything. Guys, he has wrapped himself up with us. We can't be plucked away. Jesus has made us not just a part of the family God. He's given us the purpose of the family business. Gospel proclamation is it, y'all. Every ounce of our lives tell people that God made people in his image, that we rebelled against him through our first parents, Adam and Eve, that that rebellion continues through us, and that through his only son coming down, putting on human skin like clothing, being a second-rate person in Israel, afforded the greatest wealth we could ever have, which is the kingdom of God. I don't know what else you want. My, My life is hidden in God because I follow his son and I've believed on his sacrifice in his name. There is no greater purpose, brothers and sisters. There's not. And so your life then is to praise God for the fact that he won't turn his back on his kids. He's not gonna do it. He doesn't have a 38% return rate on children. And by the way, if you're considering adoption, 
please endure. I'm begging you. Be in a community that endures. Quite frankly, that's just sickening. We must not be a people like that. I want to close with this last story before we get to the last point of our sermon today. Pine Bluff is a town that is 95% African-American. And unfortunately, there is a huge racial divide. Um, in fact, I, I, I go into places where I'm a regular citizen, just like everyone else. Um, our family is looked at weird. Uh, my students call some establishments PWIs, which if you haven't known, that's a, uh, yeah, only five people in this room smile. <laughs> so in case you don't know, that's called a primarily white institution. Um, and uh, my students choose not to go to those places. Um, when I go to those places, intentionally, by the way, when I go to those places, I go to show the dignity that I'm not shown. When, when you step into places as a Christian intentionally, I need you to know something. Jesus said that the world does not understand him and hates him. And they will hate you. You don't hate back. You go and show the glorifying and divine dignity that God established for us in Genesis chapter one, verses 25 through 31. And you show it without fail. The spirit of God will give you the endurance. He will give you the words. And I bring this up because God's way of salvation was intentional. And I can't emphasize this enough. God saw everything about me and said, yes. Some of you in this room were in college with me. You know who I really am. You know that I have no right to be up here right now with the life that I have come from. And you know that when Jesus rescued me, it was real. Some of you in this room think that you have a boring story because you grew up in church. And I need you to know, that's the dumbest excuse I've ever heard for not participating in the kingdom of God. Some of you in this room think you're too messed up. I've thought that. I've said that. I cannot tell you the number of years that this man endured with me through that nonsense. But hey, if you give the bag of burden back to the Lord who offered you an easy yoke and a light one, you might find yourself actually enjoying the life he gave you. You're not trying to be the crucified one. Don't worry, you will carry your cross. But the burden will be so light compared to Jesus. Don't worry, you will die daily. But you're only doing so because of who you're becoming. <laughs> like becoming who you are in Christ is the greatest miracle. You're going to be a transformed and renewed person day by day. And when the Lord welcomes you in, he will have done it with all of the scars he used to fight for you in the first place. So here's our last application. This is for all of us. Rely on God's power to save. 
and not your power to do. Guys, if he can make it all, he can save it all. If he can speak it into existence, he can speak redemption. If he can create a way when there is no way through the Red Sea, do you not think he could part the chaotic waters of your life? If Jesus was resting in the boat, do you not think that you will find rest in this Lord? Let's rest in him. As a church, we're to view the world as a place that will be transformed through Christ Jesus. And God is making his children and giving them an eternal inheritance that is guaranteed so that he would be praised for his grace towards us. Let's pray.